Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Transcript Podcast. You've got me, Scott Chrislock, an editor of the Transcript, along with Eric Mokaya, who's our lead author. We sent out a new issue of the newsletter yesterday, and the big event of last week was that the Federal Reserve raised interest rates to by a quarter point. This was well telegraphed. I think everybody knew it was coming. In a lot of ways, a quarter point raise was actually kind of a dovish development because the Federal Reserve could have raised by half a point or more. And in fact, it makes me feel like there's likely to be an acceleration of inflation rather than a dampening of inflation from from their actions. So any thoughts, Eric? Actually, I have more questions, less thoughts today. I'm wondering why 0.25% and not something like substantial, like 0.5%? I don't know. I think that they're really slow to act and like they've been perpetually behind the curve. And this is totally consistent with the way the Fed has acted in the cycle, which is what has led to 8% inflation. So... Actually, I don't understand the Fed anymore. <laughs> I'm a bit surprised by how they respond. But then also the fact that they say that they don't view recession risk as elevated. But when you read earnings calls and a lot of the like three companies that are saying, like, actually, we are seeing there's a potential economic slowdown is about to come. And our business is actually being hit left, right and center first by COVID. And now whatever was left you know, that was not hit by COVID is now being hit by the Ukraine uh, a Russia war, so I don't know. Like, and then obviously companies are starting to cite the the war in Ukraine as a serious issue that they're considering in terms of impact, in terms of Q1 revenues. So I honestly don't know what the Fed is doing, uh, or at least what they're thinking is, since it's very different from the what we see in from the CEOs who are on the ground in these companies. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it clearly doesn't seem to be a very data-driven organization. I don't know what economy the Fed looks at or what data it looks at, but it's the reaction function of the Fed seems to be governed by fear of slowing the economy, fear of causing some sort of stock market decline or panic, and doesn't seem to want to act in a way that would be consistent with price stability or creating price stability. And yeah, I mean, I think that's just, we adopt that model of the Fed and invest based on that or, you know, operate based on that. I mean, they had primed the market for like raises since last year in December. They didn't do it and they kept postponing it. And now we have a situation in Ukraine, which now forces them not to act in the way that they intended to. But I think if I remember correctly, one of the CEOs we listened to, I think it was the Bank of America who said like, at some point, we really need to take that short-term pain so that we can keep the, so the Fed can actually close the gap between where they are and where the reality is. So I, I, I don't know. That's my take. I think the relationship between the Fed and economic participants is like the relationship between a parent and a child. And the Fed is the parent setting the boundaries and everybody else in the economy is the child of the Fed. And, you know, the Fed is a permissive parent. But if the Fed says, no, you can't have that toy, the market throws a tantrum and then the Fed gives the toy to the market. If they actually stand ready to fight inflation, then it's going to be like the market may throw a bigger tantrum. Yep, definitely. I mean, something else we saw apart from the war in Ukraine, which is being cited a lot is, of course, China's reaction to the late rise in cases there. So they they really go hard on some of these things. They, they are closing some of these cities. I have a friend there who tells me, the situation on the ground is like constant testing. If you found, you have to quarantine. So it's very, very strict in terms of movement in Hong Kong, in China. And, and there could be 
again, spillover effects to throughout Asia. When we saw some of the credit suits and CEOs say that there could be an issue of, of a slowdown in Asia if uh, this continues to China's zero COVID policy could actually have an impact in addition to what we have happening around the globe. This could also have an impact in terms of supply chains because China is also a lot of U.S. companies rely on China for their raw materials. They, they also one of the biggest markets for some of the U.S. companies and all. But on the side note, I was also very surprised by the quote from Bank of Japan who says they are not raising rate. I mean, Japan is kind of a I don't understand fully what has happened there, but they seem to say that the situation is different from what is happening around the globe. So they're not going to, they're not going to normalize in that sense. So they'll still stay where they are. And so I think the inflation is not that much. So any comments on that or anything else that you made a pick yourself? Yeah. I mean, I think the Japan thing was really surprising. I haven't been paying attention to Japanese inflation experience, but Japan has been fighting deflation or low inflation for decades, whatever it means to fight low inflation. But it's, it's strange to me that even in this case, that they are somehow avoiding the inflationary impacts that the rest of the world is seeing. I don't know exactly why that's the case, but it is a curious thing and it I mean, something they, they to ponder. It is inflation below 1%. Let's in, a, in this global economy as it is currently, this must be some magic happening there. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. So that's kind of crazy. And yeah, in terms of like the Chinese response to a COVID outbreak, I don't know what their end game is. I, I think that they did admirable the job of controlling COVID, you know, in the early parts of the, the outbreak in terms of like the deaths per capita in the population, it's like clearly leading the world, but the rest of the world is very much moving on. It seems the U S especially like I go out probably Nine out of 10 people are not wearing masks anymore indoors in Los Angeles. So people are really ready to move past COVID. And I think there are people, people are more focused on what's going on with war in Ukraine and stuff. But actually one of the most interesting passages of this week's newsletter was about travel demand really surging back after Omicron and just how strong it's surged back. Delta saying that they've reached new revenue peaks and all of that. That was really really probably the biggest thing that stood out to me. Any thoughts on that from you? Yeah, I was actually very surprised because I think some of the companies say that the revenue environment is very, very strong in that summit times. So I think most of these quotes were from one conference where all of these airlines were attending. So it was pretty interesting to see how they built on each other throughout the day. Like we were saying like, okay, as the previous CEO said, we've noted the same thing. I don't know whether that was group think, but it, it actually tells you also that like, they're all strongly seeing a huge demand for travel post-Omicron. So February, March has been really good in terms of bookings and demand. Yeah, I'll say, you know, anecdotally on my own, I travel a fair amount between Los Angeles and Seattle and ticket prices before the pandemic were probably usually in like the $250 or $350 range. During the pandemic, they felt like you could get a, a round trip ticket for $100. And recently I went to go book and it was $800 a ticket to to travel up to Seattle. So it was like ticket prices are going up a lot as demand is coming back and probably also driven by fuel prices and things like that. So the other indicator was just, again, it cost me over a hundred dollars to fill my, my car's gas tank this weekend, uh, which is painful. And I can't imagine how pain must be for, you know, just kind of people who are, who are living paycheck to paycheck of which we have a lot in the U S and heavily 
commuter population. But yeah, the inflation is painful. It is it is hitting people's pockets at the end of the day. Oh, one, one quote that stood out for me from the financial section is that the financial crisis was actually 15 years ago. And uh, it hit me a little like that was when I was in the first year of, or at the university, you know, like life has really, really moved so fast. And a lot of people don't have an experience now. Like for me, then I was reading about the financial crisis. It was like a story in the news. I didn't experience it. So for me, so the last two, three years, so the pandemic and now the Ukraine war, this is like my experience of the financial crisis. So the CEO was saying the way that 30 years ago, he experienced the default of, of, of Russia. He experienced the 2001 financial crisis and now he experienced 2008. And he gives wisdom on how to handle the current crisis. So just pretty amazing to read about that. Any thoughts? Yeah, no, I mean, I think so much of the last 15 years of economic history and especially the way that the Fed is operating is just to prevent the financial crisis from ever happening again. And so... You know, when you read the the figure that it was 15 years ago, it's like, okay, it's time to move forward. It's, it's time to move on, but here we are. Yeah. Anything else that stood out for you? I think for me was that something that I added to the nuggets of wisdom. So I think about the skip intro feature on Netflix. I didn't know that it's actually for on a, on a single day, it's pressed 136 million times. I'm one of them. I don't like the intro music a lot of times. It started off as just a small experiment. They did a data-driven analysis to check out like, okay, most people, they found out that people were not watching the, five, the first five minutes of every episode. And then they were wondering why then they found out that they just didn't like the music there. So someone quickly clicks forward. So I think then they introduced a feature and now it's one of the most, it's one of the most used feature of Netflix that people like. And which are a feature that every other streaming service actually wants to replicate at the end of the day. So I think that stood out for me this week. Uh, anything for you? I don't think so. I think that was good covering of the week. All right. I think see you again next week. Thank you so much for joining us today on that on our pod. And keep subscribing to us and sending us your questions. Thank you.